0: all right the Attorney General Merrick Garland is speaking right now we're just gonna to go to him as he's continuing his comments
1: titled to the even-handed application of the law to due process of the law and to the presumption of innocence much of our work is by necessity conducted out of the public eye we do that to protect the constitutional rights of all Americans and to protect the integrity of our investigations federal law long-standing department rules and our ethical obligations prevent me from providing further details as to the basis of the search at this time. There are, however, certain points I want you to know. First, I personally approved the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Second, the department does not take such a decision lightly. Where possible, it is standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. Third, let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated, patriotic public servants. Every day, they protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights. They do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. I am honored to work alongside them. This is all I can say right now. More information will be made available in the appropriate way and at the appropriate time. Thank you.
0: All right. He's walking away. He's not answering any questions. Um, so I want to address something real quick. Uh, that is the Attorney General Merrick Garland. Casey Hendrickson here on News Talk 95 3, Michiana's news channel, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190 WOA, 1075 FM in Fort Wayne. Um, the Department of Justice didn't file this motion to unseal. The search warrant because they were interested in transparency. They were ordered to do so by a federal judge who made the ruling yesterday. That's why this is happening. This is Merrick Garland going out there and telling you, we chose to unseal the search warrant in the interest of of public transparency and the public trust. That's not true. This is the article I posted yesterday, right after the end of the show. A federal judge ordered the Biden Justice Department to produce a copy of a search warrant executed at his Mar-a-Lago estate, where the FBI conducted a nine-hour-plus search on Monday. This is an article from yesterday. Federal Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhart ordered the DOJ to file a response to the motion to unseal the warrant after requests were made by the Times Union, a newspaper located in Albany, New York, as well as the conservative legal group, Judicial Watch, which we told you about yesterday afternoon. Now, Judge Reinhart is the individual who signed the search warrant. And I want to address a couple of things about that judge and what we might be dealing with um, with him in, in just a minute, because it's. It's possible that some of the things that people are saying about him are true, but I also want to give another plausible explanation, Okay. The judge said that the DOJ must respond no later than August 15th. Reinhardt signed off in the FBI's warrant to search the former president's home in South Florida. And what he said was an unannounced raid on my home. OK, so I, I want to just make this crystal clear. The attorney general just came out and gave a press conference in which he lied to you. Just so we are absolutely 100 percent crystal clear. He came out there. He just made the statement that the DOJ filed a motion to unseal the search warrant. Uh, Because this is something that has to deal with the public trust and public interest. No, you were ordered to do so by a federal judge, the exact same judge who signed the search warrant. Now, we already addressed this yesterday. The, The warrant that eventually was handed over to Trump's staff for a while, they didn't have a copy of it. But the warrant that was eventually handed over to them doesn't have all of the details on what exactly they were doing there. It has some, but not all. So, this would unseal everything what the reason that they're there for, what they're specifically looking for, what the target it was, everything else. Uh, but they did not do this out of the kindness of their own hearts or because they were interested in transparency or rule of law. They did this because a federal judge ordered them to do so yesterday evening. That's why this is happening today. What we did learn, though, we learned that the Attorney General Merrick Garland personally signed off on this. Now, this was interesting because we've had reports that he may not have known anything about it, and the DOJ earlier was basically telling everybody, this isn't our fault, this is the FBI, and why was the <laughs> why would the DOJ be distancing themselves from a raid like this? That didn't make any sense, but now that's been put to bed, that rumor is not true, because Merrick Garland has said, I personally signed off on this raid. Okay? Now... There's a bunch that we're going to get into today, which will just further call into question the, the tactics here. And this is, it is important. I think that we just, we acknowledge those two basic facts. One, Merrick Garland signed off on the raid. He says that uh, he didn't do so lightly. Bull. This is the same guy who accused many of you because you're concerned that your child is being shown pornography in school at inappropriate ages that you were domestic terrorists. Let's not forget that. And let's not forget that that did not come from the school board association. Okay? The White House originated that strategy. They then contacted the school board association and says, hey, get with Merrick Garland on this thing and let's start going after some of these parents and Merrick Garland obliged. So let's not forget how this all started. Merrick Garland is a pathological liar just like Joe Biden is. You cannot trust a single thing that this guy says. When he goes out there and he talks about the, air quote, unfounded criticisms of the FBI, the FISA court has criticized the FBI numerous times in the past four years for constantly and repetitively breaking the law. So he can keep his mouth shut about that stuff. Nobody's interested in his his words there. So, please remember two basic things. The attorney general signed off on this raid. Okay. This is still the attorney general who is bitter and angry that he's not a Supreme Court justice right now. And they didn't release this warrant, or, well, the motion to file hasn't been released. They didn't take the steps to release this warrant because they wanted transparency and they felt that it was in your interest as a citizen to know what was going on. They did it only because they were ordered to do so after a newspaper and Judicial Watch filed legal motions to get the warrant unsealed. It was sealed beforehand. You weren't supposed to see what was in it. And every time they asked the FBI and the Department of Justice, why won't you tell us what's in this warrant, they would tell you, oh, classified information, We can't tell you what's going on. Well, now, all of a sudden, they're telling you what's going on. Weird how it's not classified information anymore, isn't it, after you, get, you basically get threatened with a lawsuit. So please remember those two basic facts about this story. The Attorney General just got up there and spent five minutes lying to you, just so we're crystal clear. So, let's go into the other aspect of this. Oversight Republicans are demanding the National Archives explain the agency's role in the raid. Now, again, as we pointed out earlier in the week, and has come up numerous times today, as more and more analysts are starting to settle in on what actually happened here, because we've been all going on rumors but now it appears that the rumors basically seem to be true. Okay, the, the information, we'll get into some of it, the information that was in Trump's house, uh, Trump claims was unclassified. Uh, the National Archives claims that some of it has to come back to the National Archive. Trump was completely and totally cooperating with them on that. They claimed that the room that he was storing these documents in wasn't secure enough, and they recommended that a lock be put on the room that was better than the lock that they already had. So the Secret Service put their own lock on the door. The FBI broke that lock to get into these documents. Just so we're clear, they were completely cooperating. They had already sent boxes back to the National Archive that the National Archive had requested. There appears to be a spy inside Mar-a-Lago who alleged that there were additional documents that the authorities in the National Archives were not aware of and hence the raid. But that doesn't make any sense because if you have a cooperating witness and you already had a grand jury subpoena back in June, you get another grand jury subpoena and you say, well, we got somebody who says there's more documents there, so here's the subpoena. We're going to come back and we're going to look. If you've already got somebody who's been cooperating with you, there's no reason to turn them hostile by launching a raid. Doesn't make any sense. This is not the normal way that these things are done, which is why you have so many former federal agents Dan Bongino is just one of many telling you this is completely atypical and not acceptable behavior. If you look right now all over the news, there are former FBI agents out there saying this is not how this is done. This is bad. So Republicans on the House Oversight Committee demanded Wednesday that the head of the National Archives and Records Administration explain any role that her agency played in the FBI's raid of former President Donald Trump's home earlier this week. Representative James Comer, Kentucky Republican and other GOP lawmakers on the panel called Deborah Wall, the acting archivist of the United States, to answer questions and preserve documents related to the search warrant executed at Mr. Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. Let's not forget that uh, uh, McCarthy also told Garland, save all of your records and clear your calendar because you're under investigation now. Committee Republicans are concerned that the NARA would utilize the FBI to gather documents that the president, by this very nature of his constitutional role, could declassify himself. If this was indeed the case, as the media reported, the GOP lawmakers wrote in the letter to Ms. Wall. Um, now, I want to remind everybody that the the National Archives basically shut down over the past couple of years. Veterans couldn't get critical documents and stuff like that. Yet they seem to have been working on this. I mean, wonderful use of your resources, I guess. And, you know, here's the thing for those of you in Fort Wayne, you may not know this, okay? Jackie Walarski was laid to rest right now. Her funeral is still happening. We have a lot of these leaders in Washington, D.C., for the Republican Party in town right now, maybe listening to this show. You cannot allow this to happen. You have to go back to D.C., and you have got to put aside this archaic, And now obsolete notion of go along to get along, even if it's the wrong thing to do to just maintain the peace or what have you, you have got, you have got to pull off the bandaid. This has got to stop. We've had enough of this type of stuff. This they're making this seem like Donald Trump broke into some super secret spy building and snagged a bunch of classified documents and he was going to give them to Vladimir Putin or something. We all know that that's not what happened. The search warrant, according to one of Trump's lawyers, specifically targeted presidential records, which numerous presidents, including President Obama, have been in arguments with the National Archives about, saying these are my personal property. They're not yours. I get to keep them. How many documents has Obama returned to the National Archives, ladies and gentlemen? Ben, any idea? Zero. They've made demands, but he hasn't returned anything. Where's the FBI raid there? It is, it is high time. And I know that many of you Republicans are in town right now, and we're dealing with the loss of Representative Walorski. But when you get back to Washington, D.C., you have a job to do. And Republicans and conservatives are sick and tired of you not doing it. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, 1075 FM. good afternoon thank you for tuning in news talk 95 3 michiana's news channel uh, friendly reminder i will be on news nation tonight uh should should do the hit about six twelve. uh it's gonna be me and a representative from president trump and then two libs so it's gonna be fun <laughs> looking forward to that panel discussion we'll be talking about the raid and a couple of other issues all right uh, you can watch the live stream rumblecom slash casey the host so let's, let's go over all of this. And I said, this is kind of breaking news. And, you know, our community, again, morning today, Representative Jackie Wilarski was laid to rest this afternoon. We carried her funeral live here on 95.3 MNC. And again, heart goes out to the family. I've known Jackie for 11 years now. Um, it's uh, it's a tough week. Emma was laid to rest earlier this week. Uh, we've got Zach's funeral this weekend, which I'll be at and speaking at. Uh, it's um, It's not an easy week, no doubt about it. But I'll tell you what. If Jackie were here for this, she would be fuming hot. She would be absolutely livid about all of this. Obama and Nixon delayed for years in returning Presidential Records Act covered documents. Okay, In an opinion piece written for the New York Post by author James Bovard, he noted several other former presidents that have taken years, if not decades, to return documents and tapes covered under the Presidential Records Act the Presidential Records Act, which states that the United States shall reserve and retain complete ownership, possession, and control of presidential records has come into the spotlight after FBI agents raided former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence under the suspicion that he has held onto documents covered under this act. Okay. Now, as I highlighted before, uh, we have had legal experts on the show. We've quoted other legal experts. This is an ongoing and running battle with former presidents and the archives. They take documents that they believe are theirs. The archive claims that they belong to them. Uh, It's usually worked out. You never hear about it. It's never a big deal. There's certainly no FBI raids on anybody, but this is different because you're dealing with Trump and there is a undeniable goal here. We learned this week, that uh, Joe Biden was taking meetings that he probably shouldn't have been taking with Chinese energy companies that were tied financially to his son. And he did so numerous times as vice president. That story breaks. A couple of days later, there's an FBI raid just outside that 90-day window on Donald Trump. And have you heard about the other story? Gets kind of swept under the rug, doesn't it? Kind of interesting how that happens. According to Bovard, the Nixon library did not reportedly release its final batch of the former president's secret tapes until 2013, 39 years after his presidency ended in his resignation following the Watergate scandal. The act was enacted into law in 1978 following the Nixon residence, uh, where he claimed that his secret Oval Office tapes and other personal records were uh, his own property. Lyndon B. Johnson Library had delayed in releasing the final batch of his secret tapes until 2016. This came 47 years after he left office. In 2001, then-President George W. Bush issued an executive order that changed the act from guaranteeing public access to the documents to one that blocks it, though Congress overturned parts of that order in 2014. Politico reported in 2014 that the Obama administration lawyers had repeatedly invoked the Presidential Records Act to delay the release of thousands of pages of records from President Bill Clinton's White House. At the end of Obama's two-term presidency, he reportedly trucked 30 million pages of administration records gathered during his time in office to Chicago, where he promised to digitize them and put them online. He has not done so with any of them. Where's the FBI raid there? See, this is the point. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel, also filling in for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190 WoW 107.5 FM. And a couple of other things that I want to address about this. Casey Hendrickson here on News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel, also covering for Pat Miller, News Talk 1190 WoW 107.5 FM in Fort Wayne. The White House, right before Attorney General Garland spoke. The White House issued a statement and said, we didn't even know that he was going to be giving a talk today. Nobody believes that nobody believes that the attorney general conducted a raid without consulting with the former vice president. Nobody believes that Merrick Garland was going to give a speech without consulting the former vice president. Nobody believes that that is the standard Obama defense. We go over this multiple times for a reason. Every time there was a scandal Every time an underling in the Obama administration did something illegal or unethical, every single time Obama was asked about it or Eric Holder was asked about it, they would always go, I didn't even know this was happening. I had to read about it in the paper with the rest of you. Now, you either believe that because either you're naive or you choose to believe that the person occupying the White House is not at all in control of the branch of government that they are the head of. Or they're lying to you. And if you've got people just doing things willy-nilly without getting approval from the chief executive, then you, you just, you assume that they're going to be punished because they're doing stuff without consulting anybody. Now, do I need to remind everybody that it was an impeachable offense and a, a huge constitutional crisis that Donald Trump insinuated that the Biden family might need to be investigated for alleged crimes because Biden was potentially going to be his political opponent in the next upcoming election. Biden wasn't even a candidate at that time. Remember that? Anybody remember that? How The entire news media complex, every Democrat in the country was out there going, that's a crime. He's trying to use the office of the presidency to go after a political opponent. What is this? What is this? And at the time, friendly reminder, there was credible criminal accusations against Joe Biden, Joe Biden's brother and Hunter Biden, including by senior executives in the Ukrainian government who have accused the Biden family of money laundering. What have two of the business partners of Hunter Biden been convicted of? Money laundering. Interesting stuff, don't you think? So if Donald Trump makes a, casual inquiry about an investigation in somebody in American politics who may potentially be an opponent in the future, that's an impeachable offense and a constitutional crisis. But if Joe Biden does something that's never been done before in the history of the country and sends the FBI to raid a potential future opponent, considering they were cooperating with the investigation, according to all of the information that we have, That's not a constitutional crisis. That's not an impeachable offense. Why do you think the White House is like, we didn't know this was happening, and then took off for vacation? You realize they left for vacation, right? How convenient. That timing is amazing. Absolutely amazing. I would like to remind everybody that even Joe Biden has archives that he has for his library at the University of Delaware. And he sent all of these documents over to the University of Delaware, okay? And he's not releasing them. He's only going to release them until after he's out of office, two years after he's out of public service. Remember, that was the rule. I also want to remind you that he can sign off on releasing those documents early if he wants to. And there is somebody who has accused Joe Biden of sexual assault. And she says she filed paperwork when he was in the Senate and that that paperwork will be in those archives. And Joe Biden will not release those archives. He will not open them up. If she's telling the truth, then there is a complaint filed against Senator Joe Biden for sexual assault in there. If she's lying, then Joe Biden can exonerate himself by simply opening up his archive. But he's not doing it. So ask yourself why. No FBI raids there. No interest in that the same week that we find out that Joe Biden was taking all of these meetings, over 15 meetings, I think, with a Chinese energy company that has financial ties to Hunter Biden, the same week that we find out about that, and the same week that we found out that the FBI actually throttled an investigation, another one, into Hunter Biden, suddenly there's a raid on on Donald Trump's house. Very convenient. For those of you who are prominent Republicans in town right now, Listening to the show, do you understand what your job is now? Your job is to get to the bottom of this stuff. The judge who authorized the Mar-a-Lago search previously recused himself from the Trump-Clinton lawsuit. Remember, the other thing that has happened here is Donald Trump has filed a lawsuit against Hillary Clinton. Why? Because she lied about him. So, now we have the other optics of anybody who goes after the Clintons gets the full force of the law if they don't get Epstein, who did not kill himself, coming after him every single time. So right after right after those stories about Joe and Hunter Biden come out, one of them, very, very negative for the FBI. Right after that, and right after Trump sues Hillary Clinton, suddenly there's a raid on Mar-a-Lago. Interesting stuff. Now, this judge who recused himself who defended Epstein while questioning Trump's character, which is hysterical. This Trump who recused himself from the Trump Clinton lawsuit didn't feel the need to recuse himself for this warrant? Now there's a couple of of things that people are saying about Judge Reinhart here, and I just I want to offer you one of two possibilities. Possibility number 1. Judge Reinhart is an anti-Trump zealot which would seem to be the case based on his social media posts and he's vindictive and he's going after Trump. Okay, Maybe. I would also like to submit another possibility. What if Judge Reinhart hasn't done anything wrong here? What if Judge Reinhart was lied to by the FBI and the FBI didn't tell Judge Reinhart that Trump was cooperating with the previous grand jury subpoena? What if Judge Reinhardt wasn't told that Trump and his team opened the door and welcomed the feds in in June and offered any assistance that they could offer? The direct quote from people who were there was that Trump said, anything you need that we can do. What if they didn't tell Judge Reinhardt that? Okay, so why wouldn't they tell Judge Reinhardt that? I don't know. The same reason that they lied to a FISA court? and lied to a FISA judge in order to obtain search warrants? Maybe. Maybe this is just a pattern with the FBI to lie to judges in order to conduct raids and surveillance and things like that on Trump and his inner circle. I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just offering you an alternative where Judge Reinhart isn't necessarily the bad guy. Maybe, Maybe he is a bad guy. I don't know. Maybe there's something in all of this that they haven't shown anybody that is super egregious. But, of course, you have to ask, well, they were cooperating back in June. Why would you assume that they would not cooperate now? So why not just get another subpoena and go back into the property and have a meeting with them? Ron Johnson. Wisconsin Republican senator encouraged whistleblowers to come forward about the FBI raid on former President Donald Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago, Florida. Now, this is the thing. Um, we, are, we are not at a point now where you're going to be able to just stay quiet anymore for you good, you good agents. And there are many of you. And I understand that there are many of you. Everybody understands that there are many of you. But you can't remain silent anymore. And I know that more and more of these federal agents are coming forward and they're, they're becoming whistleblowers for the press and to members of Congress. We need more people to do that. This is not acceptable behavior, and everybody knows this is not acceptable behavior. You don't, you don't raid the homes of people who are Trump allies in the middle of the night, and not just Mar-a-Lago, but others in the middle of the night when they're not a flight risk. They're not accused of any serious criminal activity. You don't raid their homes with boats and machine guns and things like that. It's not necessary, especially when they're cooperating. There are certain times for raids, there are certain times where you don't issue a raid. And they have been violating that for many, many years. I know that many of you had a great chuckle, just like I did, when Merrick Garland was out there saying, you know, the, <laughs> the unsubstantiated uh, claims of, against the character of, of FBI agents. It's like, are you serious? House GOP is demanding that the FBI explain reports that they reclassified cases in order to fit the Biden administration's narrative. House Republicans have asked the former FBI agent, a former FBI agent, to account for whistleblower claims that she pushed her subordinates to classify incidents as domestic violent extremism to accommodate the Biden administration's political narratives. And I know that some of you are sitting here and going, well, it's not the same thing with Mar-a-Lago, but... You know, there sure is a lot of funny business happening at the FBI right now, which calls the character of the entire agency into question. So keep all of this in the forefront of your mind. Here's where they know they screwed up. A majority of Republicans and independents believe that this was an orchestrated FBI raid by Trump's enemies and it was politically motivated. That's the damage right there. If you have lost independence, you are doomed. You are absolutely doomed. But this is one of those things where it's, you know, for conservatives, you know, it has always been uncomfortable if you've got to call somebody in law enforcement out because they're abusing their authority. We know it happens. Conservatives are pretty good about doing it. They always offer the caveat, but I support law enforcement. But um, it is getting more and more difficult, more and more difficult to do that because it is getting harder to find people in law enforcement who are willing to uphold their oath of office. And there is an oath here. And obeying illegal orders and abusing your authority and doing unconstitutional, unconstitutional acts is a complete and total violation of your oath of office. Period. And as a result, all of that trust, all of the the propaganda, the pro FBI mantra stuff that they have been doing since the Hoover administration, with some setbacks, obviously, to make people admire and respect the FBI, all of that is gone. It's just gone. It's evaporated. It's completely gone in a span of about six to seven years. People have lost all respect. And that is a real shame. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190 WoWO, 1075 FM. Yeah, I need new headshots, clearly. It's. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's still <laughs> I'm going to be on news nation tonight and I'm going to be on a panel of four people, uh, including with Aaron Perrin, by the way. And the, <laughs> they sent over the graphic for me to be on the rush hour Roundtable tonight. And they're still using the photo that I had done when I signed up with KDOX in Las Vegas. It was at 13, 14 years ago is when we did that photo shoot. It's like, uh, I just got a baby face in there and you know, I mean, I'm adorable and scrumptious. Don't get me wrong. It's just that I don't look like my normal self. <laughs> uh, so every time I post it, uh, that's the graphic that they used. So every time I, every time I post that thing, it's, uh, it's always funny to watch the audience reaction to that. Because people watch me on the live stream know that I don't look like that uh, all that much anymore. All right. Casey Hendrickson here, 953 MNC, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190 WoW 1075 FM. Again, promise this is not what the show is going to be about all day today, Uh, but it was breaking news, and that's what we went with. Uh, This is justthenews.com. The raid of President Trump's home in Florida shows that the American justice system is in jeopardy. Elizabeth Harrington, a spokeswoman for the former president, uh, said Tuesday, "I feel it feels like a third-world country. She said that in an interview with Just the News, not noise. That's their television show that they have. It feels pretty evident that that's what's going on. We don't have a real justice system anymore. We do not have equal justice under the law. This is a travesty for a great country, and this should never happen in America. And again, you you juxtapose this to what's happening with people who were at January 6th. You know, people who are not even accused of violence um, have been held for over a year. And oftentimes in solitary confinement, we have many of them who are denied medical treatment. We had the U.S. Marshals Service had to uncover some of that in order the release of, of prisoners who were abused for crying out loud we've got the January 6th committee which is pretending that this is some kind of a legal case it's not it's already been investigated by the FBI and the FBI says what the j6 committees investigating didn't happen but they're not offering any exculpatory evidence they're not allowing any of the witnesses who challenged the January 6th committee narrative um, they're not they're not allowing certain evidence to be submitted and they're not You know, people who they're demanding to speak to the committee, they're not telling them what they're going to ask them about, which is all things that would easily get your case dismissed in a real court of law. It's not a real thing. It's a complete banana, banana republic type show trial. And it's sad. It is desperately sad to see that sort of thing happening in the United States. Whistleblowers, let's not forget, have been revealing that there is widespread FBI misconduct before this raid came out and they were talking to the press they were talking to members of congress and we've had several letters sent to the director director ray about this and you know he's he was answering questions about this next thing you know he's like ah oh, i can't answer any more questions i got a plane to catch oh his private jet to his vacation spot that he's been vacationing at since he was a kid that was the uh, that was the the big rush i want to play you something real quick here This is very, very short. This is outside of Trump Tower, people demanding that Trump be arrested. Is this unprecedented to arrest a former president
1: for not turning into a former president that had committed this many provable criminal acts? What are the provable criminal acts, I guess?
0: (sighs) Provable criminal acts. Well, I'm just I I'm done talking. Yeah, you're a blue and non-conspiracy theorist, you twit. There aren't any. That's the point. You may not like the man. You may not like what he posts on Twitter. You may find him, you know, boorish, but there's no criminal acts. More coming up. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right. Um Covering for Pat Miller, News Talk 1190, WOWO, 107.5 FM as well. I want to thank everybody from the Fort Wayne audience who might be listening in on the radio or the websites or the apps or even watching the live stream on rumble.com slash Casey the host. Would you do me a favor? Please hit that subscribe button, download the rumble app and get an account so you get notifications of when we go live or upload videos If you're going to be watching news or commentary at all in video form, you can't watch it on YouTube. You have to watch it on Rumble. Uh, That is the biggest competitor to YouTube that allows free speech. So definitely get that account. Do yourself a favor. Um, We appreciate the support, by the way. I mean, honestly, I know that a lot of you are sick and tired of bouncing around from social media to social media, but luckily things are solidifying as the parallel economy gets going. Um, I want to talk to you about... Well, I I I just I don't even know how to say this. Um I I'm not a huge fan of picnics. You a fan of picnics, Ben? No, not a big fan of picnics. I don't know how many of you are fans of picnics. I don't like eating outside. In general, I just don't like eating outside. I like drinking outside. I just don't like eating outside. There's always something that happens like a breeze or something that throws my food everywhere. It's just I don't know, it's annoying. So there is this This guy, his name is Tom Arthur. Remember, never trust somebody with two first names. He's a pastor with the Sycamore Creek Church. Casey, sacrilege. Can't say you can't trust a pastor. Yeah, I can. He's publicly repented for his use of the word picnic. Uh, For those of you on the Michigan side of the border, he's one of yours, by the way. So... (laughs) Team Michigan loses one He has repented for his use Of the word Picnic after being fooled Into believing that the word is Racist Yeah So He's dumb Here's the actual Uh post By the way this is a chance I didn't even know that this uh this Twitter account exists, woke preacher clips. Like I'm totally going to follow that from now on. Michigan pastor says that his church has repented of using the word picnic because of a fake meme about it having a racist entomology. He knows the meme is inaccurate and complies anyway. Now this goes back to 4chan pranking everybody in the news media about various things. 4chan likes to get together and they like to uh, come up with a way to mess with people. Now this used to be a thing that was done with the chain emails you get a couple of people together like let's see how far we can get this chain email to go and if you don't send this to five of your friends you're gonna have seven years of bad luck and then if you didn't send it to your you know your friends it was it was a problem so everybody sent it to their friends and most of us unfriended those people uh, because we choose to have quality people around us and not lunatics but a lot of people fell for it right and it, then what happened is there'd be these articles that would be written about how many people they got to send the email because there would be a tracker in the email so you would send it out to like five people you end up finding out that like 120,000 people ended up getting this stupid chain letter that was just a joke 4chan does that but on a much bigger scale so 4chan came up with the joke that the circle game or the OK symbol was a white supremacist symbol. It was a literal joke. And they got the entire left wing of the United States to fall for it. I mean, it was hysterical. It's, it's maddening at how stupid people are, but they got everybody to fall for it. So the term picnic derives from the French term picnic, or pique-nique. I don't know how to say it. Um, each, each pick a bit, okay? Each pick a bit is what it means. The so-called racist term picnic also claimed to have originated during the Jim Crow era and was reportedly refined as a pick an N-word and lynch them, according to the pastor. This is not true. None of this is true. This is even more fake than people saying modern law enforcement is directly derived and is a complete concoction of these slave patrols. Which, again, is completely and totally not true. The word picnic does not actually have any racist undertones, as suggested by the pastor, but that won't stop the woke ideologues from repenting for the capital sin of possible racism. Tom Arthur is very concerned with race and spends much of his time addressing it. In case you were were curious, yes, he's a pasty white guy. Allegedly a guy. I assume that he has a book club where he sucks down boxed wine. So so this guy knows that it's not really a racist term. He apologized anyway, just in case anybody out there thinks that it is. Now, if you go back in history, if you really want to look at uh, the history of of Picnic, um, it started in France, and it morphed into these very lavish indoor parties with aristocrats, but after the French Revolution and everybody fled you know, a lot of them left their belongings behind, but they were desperately trying to maintain their lifestyle. So they, they would use picnics as a way to kind of maintain that lifestyle. And they introduced picnics into the UK into the the Americas and, and other places. And it was, um, eventually got to the point because they didn't have a lot of money that, they would just take whatever they could, outdoors, but they would dress their best, right? They're outdoors, they're in the, the, you know, the the elements, if you will, and and they would sit down and have a proper meal, even though it was, you know, relatively difficult times for them financially. And that's kind of how we have picnics. Uh, then it just became kind of an every person sort of a thing. People are like, hey, eating outside seems like it might be kind of nice. They were all wrong, but people still do it anyway. Um, really they do it because like one third of you ladies really like it. You have a romantic interpretation of what a picnic is. And most of you have a couple of picnics and you realize that, uh, that romantic interpretation that you got in your Disney movies was garbage and guys always hate picnics. So there's just, it's just how it is. I I've never met a man who likes a picnic. I've known many men who pretend to like them because their lady wants to like them, but I don't know anybody actually likes them. And most ladies have a couple of picnics, and they're like, you know what? This is too much work. This is annoying. I ain't doing this anymore. Sometimes, sometimes they'll have like an annual picnic. You'll do one, and you'll do it in spring, right? You'll do that annual picnic in spring. You'll get it out of your system. You don't have to worry about it at all. Uh, and then you just realize like, yeah, we're just going to go outside and just you know have beer and wine and stuff, which doesn't qualify as a picnic as much as I would like it to. Maybe we could redefine picnic to be... You know, uh, swigging some wine publicly, like Pete Buttigieg did with a brown bag of liquor in front of kids in a public park in New York illegally against the law when he was running for president. Maybe we could do that. But uh, most people don't like picnics because picnics are terrible. And there's this romanticism about it, though. Now, I am all in favor of bringing the picnic back indoors, because that's where the aristocrats used to have picnics. So the French aristocracy, which apparently I come from French royalty, just discovered this the past year, uh, we can bring it back indoors and then we can revive what a picnic really is and not let any poor common folks do it. And uh, just those of us who are elites, <laughs> joking, I'm obviously poor, uh, <laughs> we can go ahead and have these nice indoor picnics again. Casey, okay, so what would you call an indoor picnic? I don't, I, I don't. I don't know, a pique a nick uh, according to the old French terminology. I don't know what makes it different. It was just a big, giant party that the aristocracy participated in. It doesn't appear to be anything weird. I do know that when they started doing it in the New World, one of the things that they did is that it was basically a potluck. So like you bring your own stuff, like you bring your own dish, and everybody was required to bring, no joke, six bottles of wine. So you're required to bring your own food, like a dish, Okay, so like a potluck, but you also had to bring six bottles of wine, which means everybody brought six bottles of wine. So picnics were lit. (laughs) They were absolutely lit. Um, I don't even think that we could uh, revive that now, public drunkenness and all that stuff. But, yeah, it's a very interesting history, but none of it, none of it involves racism. None whatsoever. But it's good to know that if you go to a church this specific church, the Sycamore Creek Church in the People's Republic of Michigan under the rule of Gretchen Whitler and her Stasi, that, um, well, it's good to know that, that uh, you don't actually have a man of God at the helm. So maybe find a different church. Got more coming up. Newsdog 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, also covered for Pat Miller on news Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. This explosion in Evansville is just, it was massive, caught on surveillance video. I posted about it on social media yesterday, but uh, we're, we're learning a little bit more about the victims. I mean, it's just absolutely huge. The house is gone, just absolutely gone. It damaged 40 structures in the surrounding area. Uh, USA Today has an article, it says Wednesday was supposed to be a fun day for brothers Steve and Charlie Height. During a, the noon hour, Steve, the equipment manager for Harrison High School's football team, drove to pick up Charlie and head to the school. Both are part of the Harrison football family. Steve, in his paid role, and Charlie is a volunteer performing various tasks for the Warriors, such as shooting video and handing out equipment. They had obtained new headsets and equipment for the upcoming season, so they were hoping to test some of that stuff out. Steve was about five minutes away from his brother's house when one minute before 1 p.m., Charlie's home inexplicably exploded, sending debris hurtling into the air and damaging a total of 39 homes. Uh, Charlie was 43, his wife was 37. Martina were both inside. They were both killed. Uh, there were two of the three people who have died as a result of the explosion. The third was Jessica Teague, 29, who was in a neighboring home. Um, I, it's you know they're obviously devastated, and you know I can certainly understand that. We still don't have an official reason for this, and I don't know if it was a gas leak or, or what. But you know the last time we had a major explosion like this in Indiana was a gas issue. Um, and then we had another one, I think before that, that was a drug-related issue. But I, I we still don't have any idea that I'm aware of anyway. I, I don't think that I've seen anything. I keep looking for a cause of it, and everybody seems to just not really know um, what actually caused this as of a couple of hours ago. Uh, the USA Today article was published an hour ago, and they're still saying they don't know. Um, so again, hearts go out to the the victims here, several people were taken to the hospital. Of course, you got, you know, you got a destroyed house and 39 other houses that were seriously damaged, all caught on surveillance video. Just an absolutely massive explosion. And it does seem like we have a lot of those in this state. And I don't know why that is, or if there's any, any logic behind it. Maybe we don't have them more than than normal. Maybe it's just that we live here. And so we hear about them more and maybe other places have them too. I don't know, but it just, It seems like every year or two, we have something like this here. Uh, But, you know, three people dead and just, you know, horrible tragedy. So just sorry for that. But we don't have any details on what actually caused it. So as soon as we know something, we will pass it on to all of you. I'm sure the MNC News team and the WOWA News team uh, for both radio stations will will pass that on. This is going to come as a shock, but the federal government has done a study. And the results of the study are, I mean, just um, they're awe-inspiring. I don't know how else to say it. Awe inspiring. You ready for this? It turns out that ending the extra unemployment aid for the pandemic actually motivated people to go back to work. Hmm? Who knew? Who knew that when you didn't give people free money to stay home, that they went back to work? Who knew? States that ended pandemic unemployment aid saw a substantial rise in employment, according to a recent working paper from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Shocking. The study, which used data from 46 states and Washington, D.C., found that in the three months following the state's emergency unemployment benefits termination, employment increased by about 37 people for every 100-person reduction in EUB recipients. The act of halting by a state was, on average, associated with a substantial rise in employment and a substantial decline in the number of unemployment insurance recipients relative to other months. I am I'm so glad that we spent taxpayer dollars on this. If only we had known that if we stopped paying people $18 an hour in some states like Michigan, to stay home and not work, that once we stopped paying that, that they would be forced to go back to work. Who knew? Like I said, I'm just, um, I'm stunned by this. This is a tremendous revelation. I don't know how we're going to get over this. We might have to adjust our thinking about everything because of this. Remember, I, I got in trouble. I won't say trouble. But uh, I, I shocked the Channel 13 News crew when I was on Channel 13 News in Las Vegas. I shocked them. When they were asking me, like, what should we do, you know, to get people, uh, you know, get back to work and that sort of thing. And, and I said, yeah, you should probably, um, you know, not give them three years of unemployment benefits. It turns out hunger is a motivating factor to go back to work. And, <laughs> and the, the jaws on the news crew, they, they were, for those of you on the, the live stream watching, like, oh, my God, he said that. Yeah. And I was right. <laughs> if you don't pay, look, people will take the path of least resistance. Now, at that time, this is during the real estate crisis, at that time, we were paying people as much money to be unemployed as most of the, the work that was available was paying. So it was about $10 to $11 an hour. So if you're going to pay $10 an hour to not go to work versus $10 an hour to go to work, which are you going to take? The average person is going to take the $10 an hour to not work. And if they're a motivated individual, they will try and find a better paying job in the field that they want to be in while collecting that money rather than take another job and and burn up their day. So, again, this is is not new. This is not uh, controversial or anything. I should say it is to many people out there who don't understand economics like most of you socialists. But... uh, (laughs) The fact that we had to have a federal study done about this is hysterical. Uh, During the pandemic, federal and state governments created unemployment insurance programs that were designed to provide stimulus payments to people who lost their jobs, working hours, or other sources of income. The program provided weekly payments of $600 during most of 2020, although it was subsequently reduced to $300 per week in 2021, uh, much to the chagrin and complaints of many who went out there and said, I can't survive. Uh, of course, they all did. And keep in mind, people were not even paying their rents. They were getting the money, but they weren't even paying their rent. As the payments were reduced, the program also expanded to include contracts, self-employed, and gig workers who were not eligible to receive the $600 per week in benefits. So people who were never able to get the $600 a week were now able to get the $300 a week. And so they're like, cool, I can uh, I can do this without door dashing now. All the payments were reduced. The program was also expanded uh, to include those uh, those gig workers. According to the Fed study, many recipients saw more than one-for-one replacement rate in lost earnings. Let me say that again because, remember, this was a right-wing conspiracy theory and was not true. Remember that? According to the news media, it was not true that people were refusing to work because they were getting unemployment benefits. Friendly reminder, according to the Fed's study, many recipients saw more than one-for-one replacement rates in lost earnings, meaning they got paid more to not work than they did when they were working. So which would you do? We know many employee uh, employers here in this area i know them personally who lost staff because they were being paid more by the state to stay home and there's always somebody out there who will want to believe this in spite of the lies it's never true but uh, they do love spreading it no 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 paying people uh, more money to stay home won't uh, won't prevent them from working at all right of course that's been debunked now with this study but it was nice that they actually they actually did the dollar amount and found out that most people who got these benefits actually made more money than they did when they were working. I appreciate them doing that. So something came from it. But again, just a, just a waste of, of your money. All right, folks, we got more coming up. News Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Casey Hendrickson here also covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190. Whoa, whoa, 1075 FM. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 953, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Also coming for Pat Miller today on News Talk 1190 woa 1075FM. He'll be back next week, by the way. Okay. Uh, let's let's address something that really grinds my gears. And this is ah oh, man, this is so, this is so bad. You ever go, you ever like with COVID and everything else, I assume that most of you have signed up for one of the food delivery apps, right? And maybe many of you even drive for the food delivery app services and that sort of thing. So you go to these restaurants and you, you're, you're getting the food. You pay twice as much for the food as you would if you actually just went to the restaurant. But you know, throughout COVID, a lot of people couldn't go. The restaurants wouldn't allow it. Now we're at a point where it's like, well, we're kind of used to doing it. So I'll overpay if you're getting a pinch and that sort of thing. And um, but it's it, you pay close to close to two hundred percent if you actually get food delivered from from these apps, which sometimes is worth it, sometimes not so much, and it kind of depends on the place that you're ordering from. But by the time you get with the, the fees and the taxes and the tip and everything else, you could be actually doubling uh, the cost of of the food. So when you when you order food this way, you're already running a risk of not getting fresh food, right? Uh, Food that gets delivered, uh, certain types of food will be more soggy than they're supposed to be. And, you know, maybe it'll be cold depending on how long it takes to actually get the food, you know, that sort of thing. So you're already settling for less than stellar quality, but you're paying a bunch more. And then I don't know if this has happened to anybody else. You ever opened up your delivery and looked at the portions of a restaurant that you go to with regularity and you know what the portions are supposed to be, but the portions are not what they were supposed to be inside that delivery and they're much smaller than normal. You ever had that happen to you? And you look at it and you go, what in the actual bleep is this? I already know what I'm supposed to get when I go to this restaurant and get this food because I order it all the time. Now when you're delivering it to me, you're giving me a fraction of what I'm supposed to have. And it always seems like uh, any of your special instructions are just tossed by the wayside and everything else. So the reason I'm bringing this up is there is a, well, uh, there's a viral video that is out there. And this is from Daily Dot. There are a number of ordering hacks that have popped up on social media from Chipotle customers who claim that they're able to get more bang for their buck. Now, I personally think that if somebody orders delivery through one of these apps, you shouldn't be giving them less food. You should be giving them more because they're paying a heck of a lot more. Give them some extra sauce, some love responses to these hacks are mixed. Folks who work at Chipotle have complained. These types of orders are frustrating to fulfill as they necessitate the use of extra containers and are unnecessarily complicated. Guess what? Shut your face and make my order. Don't care. I'm allowed to make a custom order. Sorry you don't like that I've kind of figured out how to game the system. Be quiet. Make my food. I'm willing to bet Starbucks is a little irritated that people know that they can go in and just order the small coffee, and it'll be the same amount of coffee as the as the Venti. I bet, I bet they are a little irritated by that. Uh, but, you know, yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, Many Chipotle customers are happy to learn how to save money, especially since the U.S. is experiencing a 40-year high inflation rate. Um, And good news is that Chipotle hasn't poisoned any of their customers in probably eight or nine months. So that's good. Um, You know, and and I'm not joking about that. Chipotle went organic, uh, and they poisoned a bunch of people all over the country. We didn't have a problem with that here. And uh, thank God. I don't know if they had that problem in Fort Wayne, but we didn't have that problem here. And I have not heard about Chipotle poisoning anybody in a long time. So I think they got their supply chain issues sorted out. The others argue that these types of hacks are pointless and that they usually culminate in smaller protein portions. However, according to a TikTok user, some Chipotle patrons are getting stiffed on their protein anyway, regardless of what they pay. And they actually posted this video. They said, I caught Chipotle firsthand making online orders with only... Half spoons. Y'all should, should have seen the bowl before this. It was worse. So the TikToker wrote that in the text overlay on the, uh, the TikTok app. If you don't have TikTok works. Uh, I couldn't believe my eyes. I knew I wasn't going crazy on my lunch breaks. So this thing is racking up the views and they actually show the same bowl being made for a customer in the restaurant and they're getting at least twice the meat as somebody who's getting it for delivery. So if you thought that you were getting ripped off on delivery, there's a good chance you were. Like I said, you're paying extra money. You should probably be getting extra, extra food. Uh, Chipotle customers have long suspected the chain skimps on servings, specifically protein servings, for its online orders. Now, I would just like to point out, I don't know if this is a company policy. I don't know if this is a franchise issue. I don't know if it's real or not, or if this is just something that kind of sporadically happens at Chipotle's all over the country. I don't know. Um, but there are a lot of people who eat Chipotle who have complained about Chipotle hosing people who order it for delivery. Okay. Um, personally, I think you should just not eat garbage, and you'll be fine. Kadoba uh, is a heck of a lot better anyway. Throngs of TikTokers have posted clips lambasting some franchise locations for half-spooning portions in the past, with one even measuring out the portion size in his double-chicken burrito bowl. So the dude even ordered double chicken. He ordered double chicken, and they still skimped the guy? (laughs) According to Chipotle's site, a single portion of chicken is four ounces. The TikToker found the chicken serving weighed 3.1 ounces. This is a bigger conspiracy than Subway not giving you foot-long submarine sandwiches. This is a bigger conspiracy, maybe not, than Subway's tuna sandwich having no tuna in it. That lawsuit is still going, by the way. I love that. I love that story so much. It makes me so happy. For those of you who don't know, Subway is being sued because their tuna sandwich has zero tuna in it. (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh anyway uh commenters uh shared that they no longer place online orders at the chain for this very reason they play games when you are not there watching them make it and again i don't know if this is a company thing or just individual worker thing we all know that the quality of worker at fast food joints has dramatically decreased since covid started uh it, it appears that all of the good fast food workers have either uh, left this world because of COVID or they have grown up and they now have real jobs. I I don't know. But all of the good fast food workers are gone. They don't exist anymore. Well, okay, there's that one lady at a Burger King near my house who's actually pretty decent. I, I give her massive props. Uh, so anyway, others said that they worked at Chipotle and aimed to confirm the speculation, used to work at Chipotle, and they definitely do that so they don't have to prep more food. But me, I always blessed, one person says. So they're actually saying, some people are saying, that this is a policy at many Chipotles to avoid making more food, they just give you less, which, of course, cuts their costs dramatically, reduces their food, food waste. Uh, Daily Dot reached out to the CFO of Chipotle, Jack Hartung. Uh, I said at a conference that online ordering has actually caused the chain to be more consistent with its portion sizes. Sure it has. Consistently small, maybe. And this is the thing. Chipotle, I know we're picking on Chipotle here. It's not the only place. Let's be perfectly honest. We have all run into this everywhere. And this is just a common practice now. It's, it's one of those things. You know what happened to me? Okay, I'm going to tell you a story here. This is what happened to me. I, I don't go to Dairy Queen a lot, but occasionally I like a dipped cone. And I was starving one night. My family sent me the message and said, we don't like men and we don't like you, Dad, even though you give us everything that we love, so we're not going to make you any dinner today. You're on your own. So I went to Dairy Queen, and they have like a, it's a $5 thing where you can get a cheeseburger and a chili dog or whatever. And So I got the chili dog. You know what happened? you have any idea what happened? What is a chili dog? Ben, what's on a chili dog? Chili. Chili. And what? Cheese. Cheese, maybe. And maybe, what? Maybe like beans or some sort of sauce. Not, not ketchup and mustard? Well, maybe. And tomatoes? On a chili dog? On a chili dog? That's just weird. <laughs> on a chili dog. <laughs> I would have been justified in burning that Dairy Queen down if I had gone back and lit that thing on fire. Okay, There wouldn't have been a jury in the world that would have convicted me. They put ketchup and mustard on my chili dog. A lot Dairy. of you are asking if I burn the, the Dairy Queen down. That reminds, not. It is still there. That reminds me of Chicago dogs, though, if you've ever had one. which is yeah. the, it's, it's just the epitome of disgusting. See, I, I dig Chicago dogs, though. I hate New York dogs. A Chicago dog, I'm, I'm okay with. It's not the best dog in the world, but I'm okay with it. I can have it in sparing... In sparing portions. Sorry, but personally, if you think Chicago dogs are good, you need new taste buds, my man. Well, in anything that's boiled, you know, a boiled hot dog is crap. I'm sorry, it just is. Um, you know, if you're if you're going to, boiled is the worst way to eat a hot dog. Right below raw out of the package. And, you know, it. it's just, so there's always that problem, but, you know, it's it's okay. It's like, I like the pepper, and the pepper helps it for me, but, you know, it's just, you know, the San Antonio dog is still the best dog in the world, man. San Antonio dog is so good. Oh my God! Uh, so anyway, this um, the 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 idea that we have to suffer through this nonsense uh, is a mistake because I'm telling you right now, it's it's going to start causing like revolts and stuff, man. The moment people are able to get past everything, COVID and all that stuff, they're, You remember when McDonald's used to have the two ninety nine double cheeseburger meal? Two ninety nine. That was like three years ago, guys. It is nine dollars now, and it's made more crappily. So we're at a point now where we're paying more for worse food than we used to get, and much slower service. There was a whole there was a whole advertising campaign for Carl's Jr which some of you think Hardee's is the same as Carl's Jr. You're all wrong. It is a completely different restaurant owned by the same people who has some of the same menu items, but they have completely different menus. But Carl's Jr did a whole advertising campaign on the $6 burger. And you would get a restaurant cuz you went to a restaurant and paid $6 for a burger, which is expensive. You pay $6 for a burger, but you got a bigger burger. So Carl's Jr was doing the $6 burger. And now, um, your I wouldn't feed my dog a burger is $8. <laughs> and the $6 burger is now nowhere to be found on a fast food menu anywhere. Unless you want to get the, uh, McDonald's does have that, that small fry double cheeseburger special. And from, from what I understand, that's like everything is at the end of their life cycle. So you get it cheap. It's like Just trying to push it out. get it out of the restaurant it likely won't kill you but it's at the end of its life cycle so it's cheap but as far as their regular burgers are concerned like they're all more expensive than six dollars now like all of them and you'll wait 20 30 40 minutes to get the thing it's crazy so it's not just chipotle it's it's everybody else that's doing it it just seems that okay i also want to put this caveat out there um the type of person who eats Chipotle with any regularity and is a air quote Chipotle fan is the type of person who does yoga outside of Whole Foods. So they're not exactly your highest quality individual and they tend to be a little uppity, okay? And snooty, not even snotty, snooty. So there's a good chance you're dealing with a lot of uppity, crazy people who are complaining about things here. I just figured I would throw that out there. Chipotle's not known for having a high quality customer base. We got more coming up NewsTalk 953 Michigan's news channel also covering for Pat Miller on NewsTalk 1190 WoW, 1075 FM. I guarantee you I will get hate mail over that last segment. 100% I guarantee it. There is going to be some Chipotle loyalist out there who will whine about how amazing Chipotle is and it's totally worth paying $50 for a burrito. They're going to get so uppity about it. I guarantee it. And it's, it's going to be fun because um, I love living rent-free and people like that's head. Uh, And that's exactly what I am doing, living rent-free in their heads. And that makes me smile. Now, I also have another announcement from Ford Motor Company. So for those of you who don't know, Ford Motor Company, they got these electric trucks that are out. And uh, they're not performing very well in the normal things that trucks do category. Uh, They don't tow very well. They dramatically lose miles if you have them hauling anything, which is kind of the reason that you get a truck. So this is becoming problematic. It'll be interesting to see when the Cybertruck comes out, which, oh, hey, by the way, shocking news, the Cybertruck is going to cost a lot more than they told you it was going to cost, like every other vehicle in the history of vehicles. (laughs) Who knew that that was going to happen? Anyway, so Electric uh, pickup trucks don't do very well. They cost a a lot of money, and they don't tow anything or haul anything uh, without dramatically losing their mileage. Uh, Several automotive publications have been doing these write-ups on this as of late, and and it's disappointing because, I mean, you want them to work, and if you can have an electric truck that does what you need it to do, that's great, but if you're going to be going more than 50 miles, it's probably not a wise investment, so... The good news is is that the expensive electric trucks are getting more expensive because Ford has to raise their electric truck price 17%. So so now you can pay more money to continue to be able to do less than you can do with a normal pickup truck. There's there's that. Not that I'm hating on electric vehicles. I am not. It's just that if I'm going to buy a pickup truck, I kind of want the thing to haul some stuff, you know, without running the risk of getting trapped somewhere. But uh, Ford just released that the, uh, the F-150 Lightning will become 17% more expensive. The initially touted base price of just over $40,000 will rise to just shy of $47,000 for 2023 on account of significant material cost increases and other factors. Basically what Ford is saying The electric vehicle that we're going to sell you is 17% more because of Biden inflation. They just didn't want to actually say Biden inflation because they didn't want to get audited or have the FBI raid their headquarters and uh, steal documents from them. So, or, or plant bugs, you know, in their wife's underwear drawer or what have you, which I assume they did at Mar-a-Lago. But, um, yeah, so it's going to get much more expensive. So if you're looking at getting one of the F 150 Lightnings, again, two things you need to know. One, you're not going to go very far if you're going to haul anything. And two, it is now 17% more expensive for next year, according to Ford, because of the cost of everything going up. Thanks, Biden. Appreciate that. All right, watch us live rumble.com slash Casey the host. Also, join me on Truth Social at Casey the host remember truth social is available for everybody the waiting list on android is still there but you can go to the browser TruthSocial.com, and you can sign up and then when the android app is available you can just you know sign in the android app that is coming soon you're able to get on the list and have google actually pre-install it on your phone when it, when it releases so follow me Truthsocial.com slash Casey the host more coming up And good afternoon, thank you for tuning in, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson, covering for Pat Miller today, News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. Almost did my own station call numbers again. Uh, Today, we laid to rest Representative Jacku Olarski. It was a beautiful service. It was actually at my church, uh, Granger Community Church in Granger, uh, which is an amazing place and good people. So, uh, long service, great service. We carried it live and uh, she was laid to rest. They, they were actually doing the motorcade as we went live. Uh, they had taken her out of the church and had loaded her uh, into the hearse and they were driving to her final resting place as we were doing the first hour of the show. That was all live and in, in here and we were able to see it happening. but once again to uh, everybody who um, was close with Jackie Willarski. you know I knew her for 11 years, but uh, I wouldn't, I, I would call us more colleagues than friends. But for those of you who were friends and family of Jackie, our heart goes out to you. I mean, it's just a horrible tragedy. Just like our heart goes out to Edith's family and Emma's family and Zach's family. Um, it's been uh, been a tough, tough couple of weeks for everybody here in this community. But, um, you know, as as they've said, you know, the, the process is is got to play out. Unfortunately, the Republican Party of Indiana is in a time crunch. The caucuses for replacing Jackie on her seat, that will happen on the 20th of August. And it's, uh, it's going to happen at Grissom Middle School in Mishawaka, if memory serves me correct. We have all that, those details at 953msc.com. But you know, it's not something that we want to be doing this quickly. Usually we have a lot more time to prepare And, you know, the the county Republican Party, the the state Republican Party, um, and in spite of my vast complaints against Eric Holcomb, he delivered a wonderful speech today at Jackie's funeral. It had humor and it accurately described um, Jackie's personality. And I think he did a really good job. Um, I truly do. I felt that he and other speakers were fantastic at her funeral. But Eric Holcomb did a wonderful job at Jackie's funeral today. Um, the other, you know, the other thing is that, you know, it's, it's just an, you know, it's unfortunate that we've got an election right around the corner. There's, you know, a, a time frame that has to play out here and everybody is forced to kind of move into this a little bit, a little bit quicker than we want to, uh, but that will be happening on August 20th. That's when the caucuses will take place. And we will learn, you know, from then a little bit more about what's going to be happening with, with her seat. So stay tuned for all of that. I still have people kind of, you know, asking, hey, what's, you know, what's going to be happening with this? Because there is a political process that is at play. And, you know, this is the thing, too. Can I just ask this of local media? Leave Dean alone. Her husband, just leave him alone about this. You shouldn't be harassing Dean about who should replace her. You know, the man laid his wife to rest today. Leave him alone. Let him grieve. Let Dean Be with his loved ones and get the support that he needs to get through this tough time. You don't need to be harassing her husband about who should replace her in Congress. That's very uh, rude, I guess, would be the best way of putting it. Uh, It's pretty low, so leave him alone. There are people in Jackie's office... There are people in the Republican Party's office who can answer those questions. Leave him alone about it. You know, he, he issued a statement about it yesterday. He didn't have to. He shouldn't have. But it's because people won't leave him alone about it. You know, he lost his wife. Let him grieve. The political process involves people around that. Let them handle that on his behalf or whatever else. Just, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe that I was hearing that there were so many people out there you know, harassing him about that. Just leave him alone. Let the man grieve his wife. You know, but uh, it's we run into this too. There was a there was a funeral here, not that long ago, and it and some bikers showed up to protect the family, and the news media. The news media uh, got really butthurt that they weren't allowed to go into the funeral and be at the funeral with their cameras and everything else. And, you know, the bikers there, like, look, man, we're just here to, the the family wants some privacy for the ceremony. That's it. You know, keep your distance. You can be out here. They don't want you over there. And, you know, these reporters were online complaining about it. And then what happened is you had other people like, I would have, I would have pushed them out of my way. Keyboard warriors who have never actually been in a fight, who don't know what to do, but uh, they like to talk tough and, and that sort of thing. And it was just like, honestly, if you're defending your First Amendment freedom of the press rights in order to invade a funeral, you're the problem. You've got some serious self-reflection that you need to do. But that's, unfortunately, the subhuman culture that we're dealing with in large swaths of the news media these days. But... I I just I wish they would leave the family alone on this. I understand that there are questions that need to be answered. And like I said, we all have to kind of move forward with this process a lot quicker than we than we wanted to and that we usually would do, but that's not that's not Dean's job. That's not for Dean. You know, he's he's mourning his wife, leave him alone. And that includes you local members of the press who hate my guts and everything else. I'm just appealing to you from a human perspective. Leave her family alone. And let them grieve. There are people in her office that can handle these questions. That is their job. So go to them. Don't harass the family about it. In the meantime, earlier today, breaking news as we were coming on, the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, he came out and he, well, he just lied to a bunch of people. Uh, He gave his little press conference and he said, we filed a motion to unseal the search warrants because of transparency. And this is in the the public interest. No, that's not why you did it. You did it because a federal judge ordered you to do it last night. And now you're trying to say that you're doing it out of the kindness of your heart, your heart. No. And, and frankly, I'm a little irritated. I'm watching Fox news. I'm watching other news channels and they're like, oh, Merrick Garland says that he's filed a. Uh, You know, filed the motion to unseal. He He did that because he was forced to. If Judicial Watch in that newspaper in New York had not filed, I forget which newspaper it was, if they had not filed motions to get this unsealed, then the Department of Justice wouldn't be unsealing the search warrant. Period. There's a reason that they've been refusing to talk to anybody under the context of classified information over the past couple of days. They didn't want to tell you what was going on, but because they were forced into it, now what they did is they held a press conference where they pretended that it was their idea to release the search warrant, and they tried to even make it seem like Trump didn't want you to know about it, which is all bull. They were forced into it by a federal judge, and that happened yesterday at the end of my show, and I posted about it on social media, and then today Merrick Garland comes out and tries to pretend that he's the one that came up with the idea. No, he didn't. The other thing that he said was that he was the one that signed off on the order, which put to rest any rumors that this was happening without his knowledge. The other thing that we need to address is the White House saying that they had no idea that Merrick Garland was even going to speak today. Lies. It is a straight-up lie to assume that the White House is telling the... That didn't come out right. It is a straight-up lie that the White House didn't know that this raid was going to happen And it is a straight-up lie that the White House was not aware that Merrick Merrick Garland was going to be speaking today. So, I mean, it's just absurd. Now, I want to address a couple of things about this raid. I know we did the first hour on this, but I do want to address a couple of things about this raid uh, because I think this is important, um, particularly, you know, we can get into Judge Reinhart and everything else. Judge Reinhart has very controversial history, by the way. He's been accused of very unethical things. It's frankly suspect that he's even allowed to be a judge but i digress uh trump attorney lindsey halligan said that the warrant was sealed when agents showed up to search trump's estate another trump lawyer chris uh christian uh i thought it was christina bob they have it christian bob christina i think is is her name Uh, Meanwhile, told the streaming network Real America's Voice when I arrived and kind of uh, announced myself as the legal representation of President Trump. I asked to see a copy of the warrant. Initially, they refused and said, you know, we don't have to show it to you. And there was a little bit of an exchange about whether it was appropriate to withhold the warrant when you're searching the resident of the former president who's likely to be the Republican nominee in the next election, though they conceded and let me see it. They did not give me a copy of it right away, but they did let me see it, she went on. It was very, I would say, thin. And as you can, t- uh, can tell from public records, the affidavit, the supporting documentation of what the probable cause was to obtain the warrant has been sealed, Bob continued. So that's why the unsealing is happening now under order of a federal judge, not out of the kindness of the attorney general's heart. A uh, media had said that several observers opine that Trump and his attorneys likely had a copy of the warrant beforehand, but Bob dismissed those claims. So we're not allowed to see that. We have to go to court and request the judge to release that, uh, which, you know, may or may not happen. Of course, we now know that it will because a judge made that ruling last night. So we don't know what the probable cause is, why they were allowed to search, but they did. Now, remember, there are. There's the the warrant that they showed to her and then there's the warrant that they actually have. And the warrant that they show to her doesn't contain all of the information. So this notion that Trump, which we debunked yesterday, this notion that Trump could release it and everybody would have the answers yesterday. That is that was never true because you're basically going to get the same information we've been able to get you the past couple of days. All of the. What is, what is the reason for the raid? What is the probable cause? All of that stuff is contained in the sealed warrant, which Trump doesn't have, the media doesn't have, not until it is actually released under orders of this judge, who happens to be the same judge who signed the search warrant, by the way. Uh, let's see. We also, uh, they also said that they were looking for classified documents, evidence of a crime as far as classified documents go. This is, again, Trump's lawyer. So they were looking for both classified information that they think should have been removed, should not have been removed from the White House, as well as presidential records, adding that she found it ironic for the search as the president can declassify any documents that he wants and for any reason. It doesn't really make any sense. And the same thing with any potential classified information, which I don't believe there was any down there. We had done a search of it before and didn't find anything noteworthy. I'm not sure that they're what they're claiming, uh, that there was something terribly egregious, that a grave matter of national security. But we will find out, she said. So once again, friendly reminder that there was a grand jury subpoena. Um, They sat down with uh, with Trump and his team back in June. They were shown they were asked to see, you know, where the documents were being kept. Trump was there. Uh, Trump showed them the documents. Uh, The direct quote from Trump by witnesses were there is whatever you guys need and however we can help. And they were able, they did send some documents back to the National Archive. The contention from the Trump team is that those were documents that were supposed to have been declassified, but they didn't get filed as being declassified as is required, which of course is in line with the Department of Justice refusing to declassify documents that Trump ordered declassified several times over a period of three months. And that is, of course, that's against the rules. The president can declassify those things. They chose not to. So there appears to be, based on the initial evidence here of what we have, there appears to be Trump declassified some stuff, was supposed to be released to the public. They didn't do it. They refused to fulfill that order. And now they're trying to claim that Trump was somehow um, hiding documents that he wasn't supposed to have. Now, the next thing is, is why didn't they just have a grand jury subpoena and go back to the property again? Why why the FBI raid? And that is a great question. And a lot of former FBI agents are asking the exact same thing because Trump was cooperating. The lock that was put on the room with the documents was put there by the Secret Service um, at the request of the FBI when they were there in June. Trump and his team had completely been complying with all of this. This is a a song and dance back and forth that happens with every president who leaves office in the archives. So there doesn't appear to be any logical reason for a raid. The The one thing that appears to be here is that there was a spy in Mar-a-Lago who claimed that they were hiding documents. And that's why the raid happened. And they went back. The documents were allegedly being hidden in this safe. They opened the safe. And according to all the witnesses there, there was nothing in the safe. So that's kind of where we're at. Uh, So we'll learn more when they actually do unseal the warrant. But remember, it was not the attorney general doing it out of the kindness of his heart or because of transparency. They were ordered to do so yesterday by a federal judge. We got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel and covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190. 107.5 FM. All right, I am. Um, I am looking currently, just so, just so you kind of know, I am looking right now at the Elkhart Police Department's recruitment page, and having seen law enforcement job applications many times, having interviewed many police chiefs and sheriffs who come on my show and and have begged people to apply. Uh, I I've never seen one specific line in that recruitment. And so I'm, I'm just going through this and I'm, I'm looking here and Elkhart, for those of you in the Fort Wayne area, Elkhart is, is, you know, one of the big counties here, St. Joseph County and Elkhart County, the two big ones that, that my radio show hits, uh, along with Berrien County over on the Michigan side of the border and others. Um, but this is, you know, I'm, I'm going through it's like, look, uh, this is becoming officer. Okay. This is the top of the page. The face of policing has changed over the years, but there is still a need of the original concept of Sir Robert Peel. The police are the public, and the public are the police. Police in this day and age can be challenging. Policing in this day and age can be challenging, exciting, and fast-paced. It takes a person of strong character, a giving heart, and a sense of community to wear an Elkhart police badge. Are you willing to stand up to adversity for your community? And fellow man, can you meet this challenge? They go through, they list some career paths, and they got the salaries listed. They've got the benefits listed. They've got the application process, including, like, the physical fitness standards that that you're supposed to be able to meet. Um, and, you know, you know, what's not mentioned here? The same thing that's mentioned in the IRS job posting. You see the, the IRS job post. I assume that most of you have seen the IRS job posting by now. So the IRS is hiring 87,000 new agents. This will make the IRS bigger than the Pentagon and many other agencies combined. Okay, So why, why does the ad for a criminal investigation special agent for the IRS say you must be willing to use deadly force if necessary? What is that about? I mean, isn't that kind of implied that if you're going to be an investigator that you will be armed and you may have to use deadly force at some point in time? Do you really need to advertise for that particular trait? I I don't think that I've ever seen a police department at all advertise, hey, as a cop, you're going to carry a gun. You got to be willing to shoot somebody. I'm willing to bet that a lot of Social justice groups would probably be a little ticked off if the local police department ran a recruitment ad saying you're going to carry a gun and you've got to be willing to kill somebody because that's not supposed to be the purpose of policing. Right. It's a part of the job if it comes up. But but really, it's not supposed to be a part of your duties. You're not supposed to go out there and shoot people unless you absolutely have to. Right. So why is this a part of the IRS's recruitment effort? That is a great question. And I've gone through several different websites. I I focused on the Elkhart one, just happens to be the closest one to my house, but I've gone through several police recruitment ads just uh, during the last commercial break. And none of them say, you gotta be willing to shoot somebody in the face. But the IRS one does. And a lot of people are looking at that and going, yeah, that doesn't sit right with us. And you know what? You're right. It shouldn't sit right with you because that isn't something that would be accepted by any police department to publish an ad. Yeah, it's implied. Sure, it's a part of the job. You might have to use deadly force, but it isn't necessarily a part of the recruitment effort. Hey, just a friendly reminder, you might have to shoot somebody in the face here. So, uh, you know, be okay with that if you join the department. That should probably be an early indication of things to come. We got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Once again, Casey Hendrickson here filling in for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, WoWO, 107.5 FM. It's always funny when I say that people are going to do something and I, I warn you, like somebody's going to get really mad, they're going to send a letter and they do. It's, you know, they can't help themselves. They can't help themselves. Casey Hendrickson here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Also covering Pat Miller on Newstock 1190, Wow, 107.5 FM. Most of you know I ride motorcycles. I have an Indian. Love my Indian. And uh, there is a new story. Um, you know, Indian actually has one of those uh, e bikes. If you're not familiar with e bikes, e bikes are those electric bikes. Uh, so you can, you know, go back and forth between pedaling and electric. It's got a motor on it and uh, it's designed to go on and off road. But uh, Indian has announced that they are going to move into the electric motorcycle space. Very few legacy motorcycle brands have gambled on the premium electric motorcycle market as of yet. However, the tide could soon turn, with Triumph recently unveiling its TEO1 prototype and Ducati showcasing its V21L Mote E racer. As some manufacturers continue to develop new technologies and platforms in the EV space, pressure builds on those lagging behind the competition. Uh, And I've told you before, I actually really like an electric motorcycle. Uh, They are a lot of fun. One such brand is Indian Motorcycle and Italian outlet Motociclissimo. Probably butchered that. Don't really care. Uh, Recently sat down with the firm's European sales director to discuss its future plans while the interview centered around the new Indian pursuits position, Within the Grand Tour landscape, the pair touched on the company's potential debut in the brewing electric battle. Electrification is one of the most important challenges for the automotive industry as well as motorcycles. Obviously, we are constantly reviewing our strategies, but I cannot confirm anything. So, you know, basically what they're saying is, we're probably developing one, but we don't want to give too much away. So if you are... If you are an Indian fan, uh, there is a good chance that they are going to have an electric motorcycle here in the near future. Um, And electric motorcycles, by the way, I mean, the technology is is very, very simple. And it works really well for motorcycles. Not so great for pickup trucks, but the technology works really good for motorcycles um, who typically have similar range to what you would get with an electric one anyway. So um, nonetheless, be on the lookout for that. We don't know when, but just be on the lookout. The CDC has admitted that it gave false information about COVID-19 vaccine surveillance. Shocked. I'm shocked. I am shocked. I am stunned that the CDC lied to all of you. It's not like I was, you know, the most accurate media personality on all of this or anything. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention is admitting that it gave false information about COVID-19 vaccine surveillance, including inaccurately saying that it can conducted a certain type of analysis over one year before it actually did oh isn't that nice Isn't that nice so they told you they did something a year before they actually did it the false information was conveyed in response to a FOIA request for the results of surveillance and after the CDC claimed COVID-19 vaccines are being monitored by the most intense safety monitoring efforts in U.S. history the most intense safety monitoring efforts in U.S. history. Only they didn't actually do that. Um, It's almost like radio hosts whose name rhyme with Casey who told you this stuff a long time ago might have been right or something. The CDC has revisited several FOIA requests, and as a result of its review, the CDC is issuing corrections for the following information that is according to the cdc spokeswoman uh and the uh epoch times in an email no cdc employees intentionally provided false information and none of the false responses were given to avoid FOIA reporting requirements she said sure hey we lied to you and we told you a bunch of stuff that wasn't true but we didn't mean to do it right the Epic Times in July submitted a FOIA request uh, for, let's see, for, to the CDC for all reports from a team that was formed to study post-vaccination heart inflammation by analyzing reports submitted to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or the VAERS system, which is a system run by the CDC and the FDA. The CDC not only said that the team did not conduct any abstractions or reports through October 2021, but that the association between myocarditis and mRNA COVID-19 vaccination was not known at the time. That statement was a lie. Not according to me. Not according to Alex Jones. According to the CDC. The CDC admitted that they lied to you. Clinical trials of the Pfizer-Moderna COVID-19 vaccines detected neither myocarditis nor Pericarditis, two types of heart inflammation, but by April of 2021, the U.S. military was raising the alarm about post-vaccination heart inflammation, and by June of 2021, the CDC was publicly acknowledging the link. The CDC previously corrected the false statement, but did not say whether its team had ever analyzed VARES reports. In reference to myocarditis abstractions from VARES reports, this process began in May of 2021 and continues to this date, the CDC spokeswoman said. To the Epic Times. The CDC has still not released the results of that analysis. The CDC also promised in January of 2021 that it would, not, that it would perform a specific type of data mining analysis on VAR's reports called per, uh, Proportional Reporting Ratio, or PRR. But when Children's Health Defense, a nonprofit, asked for the results, the CDC said that no PRRs were conducted by the CDC and that data mining is outside of the agency's purview. So the CEC lied to everybody about that too. But hey, trust the experts. More coming up. Newstock 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, and coverage for Pat Miller on Newstock 1190 WoWA, 1075 FM. I just want to remind everybody of something. And remember, the the left can't really make up their mind. Is Trump the biggest dolt who's ever dolted, or is he a criminal mastermind? So I just want to remind everybody of something that happened, because I think this is the easiest defense if Trump really wanted to mess with people. All he's got to do is say, I don't really understand how classified documents work. And it should be enough for everybody to go, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Remember Hillary Clinton, James Comey told Congress, And Hillary Clinton broke the law that she, in fact, committed a crime. But that, and I quote, she was not sophisticated enough to know how classified documents work and that she was risking national security when she was breaking the law. That's what James Comey said. That is what James, certainly she should have known not to send classified information. That's what he told the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. I think she was extremely careless. I think she was negligent. That I, it, I could establish. What we can establish is that she acted with the necessary criminal intent, which, of course, doesn't matter. Criminal intent doesn't mean anything. And ultimately, he would say, yeah, she broke the law. It was illegal to handle documents these ways. But she just she wasn't sophisticated enough to know what she was doing. Hillary Clinton is so stupid. She doesn't understand any of this stuff. That's how dumb she is. And there are people out there who still say she's the most qualified person to ever run for president ever, which, of course, is nonsense, and everybody knows that that's nonsense. But it's weird how you go from she's the most smartest woman in the history of the world and the most qualified person to ever run for president to she's too dumb to understand how to handle classified documents. As the Secretary of State, just a friendly reminder that that happened. That is a real thing, just in case you forgot that James Comey said that about Hillary. Clinton. So we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night. Be safe. Yeah.